Welcome to Lakers Carpool. My name is James Brooks. I'm your host. Thanks for joining me on today's episode. We got a lot of news to cover. We got a nice win for the Lakers against the Mavericks. Pretty disappointing loss against the Timberwolves last night. A lot of news about the health and safety protocols. A mailbag segment. Let's jump into it. We're going to start off talking a little bit about the Lakers' crazy win on Wednesday night against the Dallas Mavericks. So, the Dallas Mavericks were playing without Luka Doncic, their best player. And the Lakers actually really struggled in this game against Dallas. It ended up going to overtime. The Lakers, they had a really good first quarter. And then the second quarter just absolutely started playing terribly. They So they were up in the first quarter, 33-23. to 23. In the second quarter, they only put up 14 points. But since from the second quarter on, they turned things around. And, and played decently well. We're able to pull out the win eventually, which we'll get to. But really interesting game for the Lakers. Anthony Davis came back for the first time after missing, I think, two games with knee soreness. He really struggled in the first half of the game. He kind of turned things around. So looking at the Lakers' box score, LeBron James led the team with 24 points. Russell Westbrook had 23 points. Anthony Davis, 20 points. So we got a lot of action from the bit Lakers big three which is great to see Austin Reeves came in with the game high or a, sorry a career high for himself 15 points seven rebounds he played really well and the Lakers got the win 107 to 104 in overtime an absolutely insane game a game where I didn't think the Lakers were going to pull it out if I'm being honest and it was this game where it just kept going back and forth at the end of regulation where the the Mavericks had a lead and then the Lakers were able to to claw back, hit some hit some shots. The Lakers just went absolutely cold in the fourth quarter, which was really hard to watch. They could not buy a bucket, but they were able to pull it out. And in a possession where LeBron had the ball, they were down by three points. LeBron had the ball. He missed terribly from the three-point line. Lakers were able to grab the offensive rebound. Wayne Ellington, I think it was Wayne Ellington, grabbed it, was able to get back to the three-point line, drain a three to tie the game at the end of regulation to put the game into overtime. So Lakers very well could have lost this game, but they pulled it out in overtime. Similar thing where they just kept going back and forth, back and forth, hitting threes. Lakers would hit hit a three. You thought the Lakers were going to be up, and then, and then Dallas hits a crazy three to tie the game. So ended up being tie game, time running out, and... LeBron, I think um, LeBron kicks it over to Westbrook in the corner. Westbrook had an open three, didn't take it, drove to the basket, kicked it out to Austin Reeves, who drained the three. He got hit pretty hard, too, on that three-pointer. Didn't get the foul called, but ends up winning the game on the three-pointer. So the young rookie comes out huge for the Lakers against Dallas on Wednesday night to get the win, 107-104, to which was the Lakers' third win in a row at, at that point. The Lakers were really they, – they're – they're on a streak just killing it and you know tough game but it's always good to get the win it's tough with you know Anthony Davis he was definitely struggling out the gate he ended up turning things around a little bit in the second half he ended up with 20 points like I mentioned 12 rebounds he was struggling offensively but I did appreciate the fact that he you could tell he was putting out effort to get rebounds both on the offensive and defensive end End up with 12 rebounds, 20 points. So not a bad stat line for him, for someone struggling after coming off of two missed games. And then the Lakers were also out missing players due to the health and safety protocols. So 
they were playing without Malik Monk, Dwight Howard, Taylor Horton Tucker. So, I mean, Dallas was also out uh, with Luka Doncic. He was out, but Lakers were also missing a lot of guys that get a lot of playing time. Taylor Horton Tucker gets a lot of playing time. Dwight Howard gets a lot of playing time. Malik Monk. And these are guys that usually are stepping up. Like Taylor Horton Tucker and Malik Monk are usually stepping up and getting a lot of points for the Lakers off the bench. So, good to see Austin Reeves step up with 15 points. And then Dallas, they just are not a great shooting team. They ended up shooting 27% from three, 12 for 44. Lakers were 15 for 39 at 38%. Lakers overall shot better. They had 14 turnovers. The Lakers turnovers is really rough. That's one of their biggest, uh, their biggest Achilles heels. I feel like this season is turnovers. They had 14 turnovers to Dallas having 11. So, Still, it was pretty close in turnovers, but the Lakers had more turnovers, which is tough. But overall, the Lakers shot better, and they played good defense. I mean, if you're holding a team to 104 points in overtime, that's good. De- that's good. That's great. The Lakers also were held to only 107 points in overtime, so that's not great from the offensive standpoint. But good that the Lakers are. I, I feel like the Lakers have turned things around defensively, which is great. They're and. Looking at the the turnovers, Anthony Davis led the team with six turnovers. That's pretty unlike Anthony Davis. I feel like he's usually not a big turnover guy. You know, maybe he'll have a couple here and there, but six turnovers, that's a lot. So he really was struggling against Dallas, but Lakers were able to pull it out in the end, which is really all that matters. Uh, We got the win. Lakers ended up being, trying to pull up the standings really quick. doesn't want to load the Lakers end up they were I think after the win they, they're in the sixth seed 16 and 13 which puts them only three games behind Memphis who's in the fourth seed they're 19 and 11 right now they've been killing it so Lakers still have some have some room to to get better obviously they have some but it's a realistic goal for the Lakers to get up in that fourth seed so good to get a win against a Western Conference opponent who is struggling also and was without their best players. It would have been really disappointing to see the Lakers lose against Dallas. So shout out to Austin Reeves for getting that, hitting that three to win the game, uh, the 15 points he had. He was killing it from three in general all game, which was awesome to see. So good to see a guy. And he he played well. You know, Jalen Brunson for the, for the Mavericks really was killing the Lakers. And there's a few times down the stretch where, Austin Reeves played good lockdown defense on Brunson and really made him, you know, really forced him to to struggle a little bit and not be able to get some shots off down the stretch. So good to see there. Russell Westbrook played well again, 23 points, 10 rebounds, 9 assists, almost had a triple-double in 42 minutes. He had four turnovers, which you would like to have less than that, but Russell Westbrook is kind of that guy where he's going to – get you a triple double but he's gonna have some turnovers it's kind of the give and take you get with Russell Westbrook on your team and considering like Anthony Davis had six turnovers Russell Westbrook had four turnovers it's tough but um four turnovers four I feel like four or less turnovers from Russell Westbrook I can live with anything more than four is where I start to feel like it's being it's getting ridiculous but Westbrook ended uh in the plus minus category with a plus eight Anthony Davis led the team with a plus 21, which is pretty crazy considering how much he was struggling. And then Wayne Ellington, Austin Reeves had a plus 10. Carmelo Anthony 
Ken Bazemore struggled with a minus 19 and minus 16. LeBron James, although he led the team in points with 24 points, ended up with a minus 6 on the night. So that's a little tough. He struggled from free throw. Uh, I mean, the team in general struggles from free throws, which is a, really annoying. I, I really That's one of my pet peeves with this team. But like I was saying, the, the, the Lakers really – I feel like they've turned the defense around the defense of side of things around. They're holding teams to low points. They're struggling struggling themselves on offense, which is tough. But in their last few games, they held the Mavericks to 104, the Magic to 94, the Thunder to 95, the Grizzlies to 108, even though they lost that game, um, and the Celtics to 102. So their last five games, they've held team a team the team that they've their opponent to 104 points or less 108 points or less which in this in today's NBA that's pretty good I you know I can't complain with that the Lakers offense should be able to figure things out enough to be able to score more than 108 points in a game you know um they did it against Dallas on Wednesday night so great to get great to get that win great for the for the Lakers to play good defense and be to be rewarded with a win even though it was a tough win they had to play overtime again the Lakers have played so many overtime games this season but shout out to Austin Reeves again for that just insane uh game winner if you haven't seen it which I'm sure you have by this point given that the game was a few days ago but if you haven't seen it definitely go check it out that was a great ending to the game I would definitely recommend watching that so great win on Wednesday night hoping the Lakers could continue their momentum in their game against the Timberwolves in Minnesota on Friday night. Unfortunately, the Lakers could not get the win against the Timberwolves, and they lost that game 110-92, to got absolutely blown out again for the second time against the Timberwolves. The, the first time we played the Timberwolves in L.A., the Lakers just got demolished also. And I think Carl Anthony Towns just loves playing the Lakers. He loves making Anthony Davis his bitch honestly I think that is like that is something that Carl Anthony Towns lives for and so in between the Wednesday game and the Friday night game there was a few more players going to health and safety protocol so Russell Westbrook tested positive and he was in health and safety protocol um who else Austin Reeves tested positive he was in health and safety protocol thankfully Russell Westbrook was able to get out of it before the game started so he was available for the game but starting lineup against Minnesota on Friday night was LeBron, Wayne Ellington, Russell Westbrook, Kent Bazemore, and Anthony Davis. Not an ideal situation. Looking down so we still are still without Taylor Horton Tucker, Malik Monk, Dwight Howard. To add to that we potentially had Russell Westbrook although he tested positive or sorry Ted was able to test negative. Sorry if I was saying that backwards. Um, Austin Reeves, lost Austin Reeves. Avery Bradley, who's been in the starting lineup. And then, so the Lakers were without one, two, three, four. Four regular rotation guys, and then Austin Reeves, a fifth guy, who literally just won the game for the Lakers two nights before and was playing played really well. So you're missing those guys. The Lakers signed Isaiah Thomas to play who played 21 minutes in the game he ended up being the leading scorer in the game so that's that's going to tell you a lot about how the Lakers played against Minnesota 
And it's hard to be upset about it. You know, it's hard to be frustrated with the situation. Um, with five guys out that are usually like in your rotation getting solid minutes. And then you have to sign Isaiah Thomas, who he was playing in the G League and dropped 42 points in the G League like two nights before this. Gets signed by the Lakers, comes in, puts up 19 points, which is great. That's I mean, that's awesome. But when your leading scorer only has 19 points, that is not good offense. The Lakers struggled mightily on the offensive side of things. They shot 38% from the field, 27% from three. They could not get a bucket to fall. They had 18 turnovers in the game. They just really, really struggled. Um, and the Minnesota didn't shoot much better. I mean, they shot 41% from the field, which is better than the Lakers, and 27% from three. So pretty much the same as the Lakers from three. So it's not like Minnesota was going crazy, but Carl Anthony Towns led with 28 points in the game. And Minnesota was playing without... Anthony Edwards, so they're also missing one of their better players. So it's not like one team had all their players and one team didn't. It was both play both teams were missing players. I mean, I feel like the Lakers were missing a lot, a lot more, which is tough. You have to get a guy like Isaiah, Isaiah Thomas, who literally was signed the day before and came and played. You know, this is like some crazy stuff. So it sucks because this should have been such a winnable game. And again, key word key phrase of this month in these past few episodes has been winnable games the Lakers just got to win these winnable games the Minnesota Timberwolves are not that good this season the Minnesota Timberwolves are let's see I think they're right at 500 now they're oh no they're they're a game below five they're 14 and 15 they're currently in the ninth seed the Lakers with this loss are 16 and 14 now they're in the sixth seed so it's one of those games where it's like you got to win those games but at the same time you look at you look at all the people that are missing you look at the the literally having to sign Isaiah Thomas to come in and he's your leading scorer I'm happy for him but he, there's no reason he should have been the leading scorer LeBron James str- struggled he shot 38% from the field he shot 5 for 13 he only took 13 shots that's you know that's not exactly what we want from from uh from your one of your best players Russell Westbrook four for seven he shot well but he only took seven shots in the entire game playing 28 minutes it's it's tough you know it's hard to Russell Westbrook I mean he only had one turnover like in theory he should have been playing well but he just was not active enough on the offensive side of things we have John D Brown playing I think this is one of the first times honestly he's played in the regular season he got 15 minutes in the game. Rondo got 22 minutes. Who this was like Rondo hasn't played. I feel like Rondo hasn't played a game in a month. You know, like he's been Rondo's one of those guys that like he because he's older. We have him more for playoff support. You know, like he's not. We don't need him to play every regular season game. He doesn't want to play every regular season game. He wants to be on the team. He wants to be there to kind of be inserted more around playoff time frame which is fine, but he's not a guy that should be playing in the, you know, what are we in, like the 30th game of the season or something like that? Like, he's not, he shouldn't be getting 22 minutes in the game, you know? So, and then really the the scary news of the game against Minnesota, which I've been kind of saving for last, was Anthony Davis went down with apparently a pretty bad knee injury. 
it's sometimes it's hard to tell with Anthony Davis because he does he falls a lot. He's kind of fragile. He grabs his ankles and his knees a lot throughout the game. So it's hard to tell what is serious and what's not serious. But there was a video of him. So he had earlier in the game hurt his ankle. And, and let's not forget that he missed the like he had missed two previous games with knee soreness. So he's had a few a few issues earlier this season very recently. Anthony Davis goes down. He grabs his ankle at one point in the first quarter and, and leaves. And then at another point, he hurt his knee. And going back into the locker room, like he was, it looked like he was struggling. There's a video out there on Twitter you could find. Um, he looked like he was struggling. It sounds like it's just a, it's, well, I don't want to say just, but it sounds like it's a bone bruise, like a contusion on the knee, which I'm sure is extremely painful. But he only played 20 minutes in the game had nine points, and was a, pretty much a non-factor in the game. I mean, he played like he played 20 minutes, which is decent, you know, but compared to, again, like, for instance, against, um, and this game went to overtime, but, like, he played 39 minutes against the Mavericks, right? So it's almost, he played, like, almost half the amount of time he played against the, against the Mavericks in the game against Minnesota. So, Anthony Davis is basically a non-factor in this game, and Carl Anthony Towns just was letting Anthony Davis have it earlier in, early in the game. He was backing him down. There's a, a video that was trending where Carl Anthony Towns back backing down Anthony Davis scores on him pretty easily, and is walking back and puts his hand down like does like the too small gesture. Like Anthony Davis is too small for him, and Carl. I will say the, the first game against the T Wolves this season. And then this game on Friday night, Carl Anthony Towns has like a vendetta out for Anthony Davis and wants to just absolutely destroy him. And he he's done it. He's done it. And Anthony Davis has not seemed to not really care that much, which is really frustrating. You know, looking back at the Anthony Davis that we had in the 2019-2020 season, who was in line, arguably could have been Defensive Player of the Year, didn't get it. But that Anthony Davis looks like a completely different person than than this season's Anthony Davis, which is incredibly frustrating. But it is what it is. I mean, he's been playing well. He's been playing decently well offensively for the most part this season, Anthony Davis has. So, like, I, I'm not upset with that. I just would love to see a little bit more grit and toughness on the defensive end. So, tough to see the Lakers get blown out by the Timberwolves, who are struggling so badly. But there's a lot of excuses you can make for this loss which makes me feel a little better in one sense, but in another sense, it makes me feel even more frustrated. It makes me feel like there is something wrong with this team. The, the team is struggling overall 30 games into the season. And there's plenty of things that have happened that can be used as excuses to cover up a bigger problem with the team is how I feel. And maybe the team will get there and maybe these are just the real reasons potentially, but you have guys missing, you have six, five, six guys missing because of health and safety protocols. And it's like, okay, they, you know, that's the reason we lost. But also it's very possible that we have all these guys in the game and the Lakers still lose. Anthony Davis, Anthony Davis left the game and was hurt. So that, yeah, that's a, that is a reason potentially, but Carl Anthony Towns was letting Anthony Davis have it before then. But Anthony Davis goes out and then Carl Anthony Towns can just have a field day against the Lakers because 
we're missing Dwight Howard. We only have DeAndre Jordan as the other big guy. You know, it, that's kind of what the situation was. So I don't want to, like, make excuses for this Lakers team necessarily. But it's hard not to when you're missing five, six guys in a given night, you know. And that that's just a, a situation, an issue that's happening throughout the entire NBA right now. We've had – I saw on Thursday that that – the entire season we had had like 60 let's just say 65 players go into health and safety protocols this season and then 40 something of those was all in the month of december and we're basically like halfway through the month so this month has been crazy with people testing positive for covid and i would imagine most of these players that are testing positive aren't actually experiencing crazy symptoms i could be wrong i just haven't seen anything about it but Considering the fact that a lot of these players, at least in the Lakers situation, most of these players are playing a game, like an, an, an NBA basketball game, and then the game ends, they get tested, and they test positive. Like I would imagine they're not experiencing too many symptoms. Could be wrong. Uh, I don't want to speculate, but that's just my, like, the gist that I'm getting. So it must be incredibly frustrating for those players that are not experiencing symptoms to be forced to to sit out and not be able to play and help the team. So it's it's a it's a crazy situation. A lot of teams are dealing with players having to sit out. I mean, the entire Chicago Bulls team, like 10 of their players or something, were, um, were in the health and safety protocols, and they had to postpone two games. So, and that's who the Lakers have coming up next. They have a game against them on Sunday, which, you know, I – don't know. It'll, it's hard to tell because you don't know at this point at any given night who is going to be able to play for each team. Like right now, the Bulls are favorites to beat the Lakers. I mean, the Bulls are 17 and 10 on the season. They've been pretty good. Uh, 52% chance for the Bulls to win is what it's looking like right now. Um, you know, I don't, I think. The Bulls had had some guys missing, but I think they've kind of gotten some guys back. It's it's weird because like guys will be out for longer than other guys. Like Russell Westbrook was in it for not even a day, and then was able to play on Friday night. So um, right now the Lakers have, or so the Bulls have Derek Jones Jr. is out, Zach Levine is out, uh, Patrick Williams is out, but that was for an injury. Stanley Johnson is out. Matt Thomas is out. Troy Brown Jr. is out. They have a lot of guys out. And for the Lakers, THT, Dwight Howard, Avery Bradley, Malik Monk are the health and safety protocol guys, and then Kendrick Nunn and Trevor Ariza. Those are the for sure people that are out right now. Anthony Davis is going to go undergo an MRI on his knee probably today so that they can decide whether or not or figure out whether or not that knee injury, how serious it is and how long he's going to be out for. If it's a if it's just a contusion, that's good news. Obviously, that there's no there there wouldn't be any structural damage. That that would be good news. I don't know what the you know with a bone bruise like Kendrick Nunn has been out with a bone bruise. I'm pretty sure on his knee for months. So depend it just depends on the person I think and how it heals and stuff like that. So prayers out to Anthony Davis. Hopefully the injury is not too bad and he can he can come back and play. But the Lakers are definitely going to need some help against the Bulls. It's going to, you know, it could change today, right? Where even tomorrow, it could change tomorrow, where THT, 
Dwight Howard, these guys could end up testing negative and be fine to play. But as of right now, that's the situation. Zach Levine killed the Lakers earlier this season, so wouldn't be upset if the Bulls couldn't play without with him. Um, but DeMar DeRozan, he also killed the Lakers. And, I mean, the thing is, like, Lonzo Ball, DeMar DeRozan, Alex Caruso, these guys love they they love killing the Lakers because they're all L.A. guys or, like, ex-Laker guys or whatever it is, you know. Zach Levine, too. I talked about this after the Lakers lost to the Bulls earlier earlier this season. The the Bulls are made up of all these like LA native type guys that just had a field day against the Lakers in Los Angeles and killed them. So this was one of the games the Bulls, this was one of the games uh that I had mentioned. I had I had listed as a potentially non winnable game for the Lakers where I wouldn't expect them to win this game necessarily, even though I expect them to win every game. They're coming up to a stretch where they play the Bulls on Sunday, the Suns on Tuesday, and then the Nets on Christmas Day. Those are the three games this month that I was kind of, I had checked off as like, Lakers probably won't win those games given how they've been playing. You never know, any given night, anything can happen, but just my expectations, you know. Um, I expected the Lakers to beat the Timberwolves. I expected them to beat the, the Grizzlies. They lost those games, which is unfortunate, but... The Bulls will be tough. Suns on Tuesday will be tough. Nets on Christmas will be tough. Other than that, I mean, the Grizzlies have been playing well. The Lakers play the Grizzlies again on the 29th. That will be tough also. But it's still a winnable game. And it, it's a game that the Lakers need to win if they want to make any headway into the standings. If they want to surpass the Grizzlies and take that fourth seed, they need to be able to beat the Grizzlies. So that's kind of the situation there. Regular season basketball is tough, especially when you have a team full of veterans. LeBron James, Anthony Davis, he's not, like he's 27 years old. He's still pretty young, but he's got that bug, I feel like, where he's won a championship. He has LeBron James and all these other veterans, Carmelo, that are Dwight Howard, you know, all these guys, Rondo, that are like, you know, regular season doesn't matter that much. We just got to do enough to get in the playoffs, and then from the playoffs we'll turn it on. I get that. You, I if that if you can make that work, I get it. LeBron James did that in the Eastern Conference all the time when he was with the Cavs and, and the Heat and all that stuff. I get it. But at the same time, you want to see your team win. So the Lakers should be able to end the rest of the month, let's say, four wins to end the month. Um, end up with 20 wins at the end of December. I think that would be a pretty good spot. You know, it's not it's not exactly what I wanted when I initially started looking at the month of December and what the Lakers could do. They've lost a few games, but for the most part they've, you know, they beat the Magic, they beat the Mavericks, they beat the Thunder. Um they've they've beaten a lot of these bad teams at least. So that's been good to see. Timberwolves game on Friday was tough. Anthony Davis going out, other guys being out. We just got to hope that the Lakers can stay healthy and continue staying healthy because the health issues were kind of what the problem was earlier in the season. They've kind of started to get, to get more healthy. Lakers have started to win more games, and now we're dealing with more health issues. And this isn't necessarily like long-term health issues, but the COVID, the COVID health issues and then also injuries like with Anthony Davis got to hope that those things don't end up being long-term things. So if they can stay healthy, I feel pretty confident, but – that's kind of a big if, just especially with how things have been lately. 
All right, let's move on to the last segment of the day, the mailbag segment. Thank you to everyone that has written in this week. So the first question, I try, I'm going to try and answer these. I try and answer these pretty candidly. And I try not to like look at them ahead of time and think too much on them. I like to try and answer them more on the spot during the recording of the episode. So Chris asks, is there is this era of basketball good for the sport long term? And what are its redeeming qualities? So I did think a little bit about this one before. Only because this is like an essay question. So thanks a lot, Chris. Um, is this era of basketball good for the sport long term? And what are its redeeming qualities? It's hard to say. I mean, I think there are good things, there are bad things. I think there are fixing some things. I think for a long time, some of the bad qualities were the, you know, those James Harden, Trey Young touch foul type things that they fixed this season or they're trying to fix this season where. James Harden or Trey Young, they made a living off of this, just like getting the defender behind them, backing, creating contact, contact, and making, creating a foul on a on a play that like the the defender, aside from getting behind the offensive player, wasn't really actively fouling them. You know, I think that those types of plays were bad for the sport. I think there's certain touch fouls on, you know, where a player will take a jump shot and like kick their leg out inadvertently not trying to make it a foul or they'll they will um barely tap somebody on a shot and it'll be called a foul I think those types of things are frustrating to watch for me as a consumer I think the things that are just inadvertent you know and a lot of this comes from replay instant replay there was a play I remember last season in the playoffs where I think it was the Suns against the Clippers I think it was that series where I think it was Devin Booker was dribbling he was literally dribbling the ball and the defender poked the ball away from him and so and then the ball went out of bounds and so to the to the naked eye it's out of bounds on the defender uh, sons keep the ball they the other team challenged the play i think i i'm pretty sure they challenged the play so they they did they stopped the game to look at the <laughs> to look at the review and you see the defender hit the ball, but he's the one that caused the ball to go out of bounds, but the ball lingered on Devin Booker's hand just enough that he was technically the last person that touched the ball before it went out of bounds. And I feel like that's kind of not the heart of the rule, right? Like the idea is the defender caused the ball to go out of bounds. The defender touched the ball to go out of bounds. So therefore, therefore the other team gets the ball. You know, if Devin Booker had been dribbling and the ball, you know you started getting into the weeds a little bit i guess but like it's it's one of those things where like the instant replays can be kind of annoying in that sense where it's almost like in baseball right where the guy slides into set he's the guy a runner is stealing second base he runs slides he beats the throw but his his foot or his whatever in the slide just comes off the bag barely the second baseman or shortstop or whoever holds the tag while his while his body comes off the base and he's out you know it's like i get it technically he's off the base so he's out but that's something that you would never call unless you if you didn't have the replay and it kind of feel in some ways it feels like it takes away from the game so in that sense i feel like i feel like those types of rules and those types of re instant replays and stuff kind of takes away from the game 
I think the physical, you know, a lot of things, a lot of times people will compare, you know, the 80s and the 90s to today and how it was much more physical back then than it is now. I go back and forth on it. I think it's good to keep the players safe, obviously. But there is a line where and I feel like this season especially has been much more physical from what I've seen. And there's been, you know, you call the flagrant fouls when they are flagrant fouls, and I feel like it's been pretty good this season. There was a time where it was a little bit, it felt a little soft, and I think for the most part, it's been much more enjoyable to watch where you don't feel like it's like every little touch foul is a foul this season. So if that remains the same, I think that's good. Now, if this question, if if you're talking about the style of play, I think it's funny because, like, you know, the style of play, Steph Curry... Trey Young, Luka Doncic, these guys have really uh, changed the game to become much more of a three-point shooting game than when I like when I was growing up. It was much. It was still you had like the Tim Duncan's and and the big guys down low, Shaq and all these guys, right? Where like you you fed the ball inside three-pointer, like you just weren't taking that many three-pointers in the game. It wasn't a high percentage shot. Whereas like now today, when you look at the statistics of everything and the risk reward and all that stuff, it's much more. Um, it's kind of like base again to make another baseball analogy, right? It's like the three true outcomes in baseball, like wh- what is it? Walk, home run, strikeout. I think it's like the home run is so exciting in baseball that I think it's fun. It makes the game it makes the game fun when p- players hit home runs. So people trying to hit home runs, that's kind of part of it. I feel like it's a similar thing in in basketball where like three pointers are fun when you hit a big three pointer. That's much more fun than a layup like a turnaround post hook or something, you know, like three pointers are much more fun on top of that. They can build momentum. You can, you get three points, you get more points. Like it makes sense to shoot three pointers, which I appreciate. I appreciate this, the strategy that like the warriors really created. I feel like with shooting three pointers, I think that's good basketball. What I don't appreciate is that teams and the Lakers have done this many times this season. will just continue shooting threes, even if they're not making shots. Like, this is where the baseball analogy is different than the basketball situation where like in baseball you can have strategies obviously of like trying to beat the shift and trying to hit like trying to like shorten up your your swing when you have two strikes things like that you know but for the most part it's kind of like you're just going up to the plate and you're trying to get lucky because it's so hard to hit a baseball especially in the ML like in, in professional baseball whereas like in basketball if you're not hitting threes you can stop and you can change your strategy to attack the basket more or to to set screens and do a pick and roll or do, you know, there's more opportunity. There's, I feel like there's more offensive opportunities in basketball where like if the three pointer is not working, it doesn't, you don't have to be a, a live and die at the three pointer. If you don't want to be like if your team's built for it, right? Like, and that's what your team should, your team should be built to be malleable in that sense. If you're a good basketball team, like you should be able to have guys that can hit threes, but also have guys that can take it to the basket. And like, you have that kind of, thing working in concert and that's like great basketball in my opinion you don't want to have one of too much right you can't live and die by the three but you also can't have no three-point shooting so I think like in that sense this era has been good for basketball because I think that and and you look at this season and the last season where you have like these mid-range players that are also succeeding again like things went to like the extreme with like Clay Thompson and and Steph Curry where no one was shooting the mid-range almost is what it felt like but now you have like um DeMar DeRozan Kawhi Leonard even though he's hurt you have Paul George who's a good mid-range shooter 
Um, Giannis can be good from the mid range, right? Like you have these guys that like they can shoot threes, but they're also like really deadly. From Chris Paul's another one, really deadly from the mid range, you know. And so I feel like we have this perfect balance right now, almost, and like the the competition in the NBA is so much more fun now. Like there's, it's more than just two teams that you know are going to end up in the finals. How it was with like with the Cavs and the Warriors for like five years straight, you know. Like this year, I don't know who's going to be in the finals. It could be the Suns. It could be the Warriors. It could. You could make an argument that it could still be the Lakers in the Western Conference, and then the Eastern Conference, same thing. Like it could be the Bucks. It could be the Nets. It could be the Bulls. It could be, like the the Sixers right it's like there's so there's so much more competition which makes things more fun you have guys that are great three-point shooters you have guys that can attack the basket you have guys that are great mid-range I think this right now things are, are really fun and I hope it stays that way so I think those are kind of the redeeming qualities I think this era of basketball at the end of the day I think there's been th- some things that were bad for a while but I think that we're kind of coming out of it almost is how I feel and so I think that like the era i don't know if we're like shifting eras or what i don't know how you exactly you kind of just decide that or not but i feel like we're definitely getting to a point where the nba is fun to watch right now at least in my opinion i have a really fun time watching it all right next question is from Corey, who says inspired by the pick and that's the pick that i had on my story of kobe who and he asks uh, what my favorite kobe moment is so i think I have two different answers to this question and it's tough. It's tough. I would say my two, my, my favorite Kobe moment that I watched like live and in person was honestly probably his last game, the last game at home against, against Utah where he put up 60 points. It wasn't a good season. The Lakers were awful. Kobe wasn't particularly good that season. Um, but I literally was brought to tears in that game, like watching that game live. Um, just because like it was sad that Kobe was ret- was retiring. That it was like the end of the era, this era for the Lakers. Even though the Lakers were awful, it was still like Kobe and all that stuff. And like seeing him actually play well, even though he put up fifty whatever, shot, like a ton of shots, you know. But seeing him like put up sixty points and and do all this stuff with like all the like Snoop Dogg and Kanye and all those guys, everyone that was at the stable center that night. And then yeah, it was just like a special moment. So I think like, that's for me, one of the more, that's the one that comes to mind first. I think in terms of like all time Kobe moments that I love, like going back and watching probably his 81 point game would be, would be the next one for me just because it's insane to think that he did that. Like the Lakers weren't playing particularly well that game against Toronto Kobe turned it around, scores 81 points. Lakers end up blowing out Toronto that game. Like, it's a random game. I don't think – I don't remember watching that. I don't think I watched that live. Um, I remember hearing about it and then, like, going back and watching it and stuff. But I didn't watch that one live. I think if I had watched that live, that would probably be my, like, a for sure favorite moment. But that's definitely one of my favorite moments to go back and watch, I would say. It would be the 81-point game. And I think overall, if you're going to ask me, like, what is the most, like, crazy thing or impressive thing or cool thing that Kobe did – it's hard, like, it's not, I mean, there's there's a lot of things, but, like, to me, 81 points in a game and, and just doing what he did in that game was insane. So I'd probably say either the performance in the last game or his um 81-point game. All right, and then the last question I have comes from Lillian, who asks, who is your favorite player and why? 
So, I mean, my favorite all-time player is Kobe Bryant, for obvious reasons. Most Lakers fans probably feel similarly. But, I mean, he was the heart and blood of the Lakers for 20 years, pretty much. Like, he was my first memories of being a Lakers fan as a kid and stuff was Kobe was the guy. I wasn't, you know, there's a lot of Lakers fans that were a little, just a little bit older than me that were big Shaq, like they loved Shaq as kids. And they thought Kobe was the one that drove Shaq away. So they didn't like Kobe for a while. I was never like that. I never, like, I I was too young to kind of understand the dynamic, the Kobe-Shaq dynamic. So I kind of missed out on that. Um, So for me, Kobe was always my guy. I was always a Kobe guy. He, he, He could take over a game. I mean, like I just mentioned before, 81 points in the game, five championships, finals MVPs, all that stuff. Like, he was... And that's part of the reason why, like, there's even NBA fan, like, non-NBA fans that just lived in L.A. that when Kobe passed away were in tears and stuff about, like, they weren't even basketball fans, really. Not even, you probably couldn't even call themselves Lakers fans, but they were still in tears after Kobe passed away because he just meant that much to, to like, Southern California and Los Angeles specifically. So, all-time favorite player, definitely Kobe. Right, I would say if you're going to ask current active NBA player, I would probably say Anthony Davis. And I think I've mentioned this before on the podcast. Um, it's tough because when your favorite, when your all-time favorite player is Kobe Bryant, it's a very, very high standard. So there's certain things with Anthony Davis that really frustrate me. For instance, the things I was talking about earlier, like his toughness level, the, the amount of injuries he has, all these things. But when Anthony Davis is at his best, he is unbelievable. I mean, you look at the 2019-2020 season, Arguably defensive player of the year, or could have been defensive player of the year. He had an incredible playoff run. He had a game-winning three-pointer against the the Nuggets in the Western Conference Finals. He was just unstoppable. And a guy that can be that smooth and that big, can destroy you down low, can hit threes and stuff, like that is my kind of guy. I, you know, I love that like stretch big. But he's not a stretch big that like doesn't play down low. Like he's a stretch big that can kill you down low. He can handle the ball. He can shoot from three. He can shoot from mid range. He can pull up. He can shoot over anybody because he's seven foot tall. Um, so when Anthony Davis is at his best, he is. That is why he's my favorite player. I would say. Otherwise, like I like LeBron on the Lakers. Like I, I like what that he can take over a game. Like he's incredible. That he's almost thirty seven years old and is still killing it. Is still arguably the best player for the Lakers right now. Um, but there's just things that Anthony Davis does that like when he is at his best, he is unbelievably good. And the LeBron James, Anthony Davis duo, like tandem is, is unbelievable and super fun to watch. So those are my two answers. All time favorite player, Kobe Bryant, for sure. Um, current favorite player, Anthony Davis. And that is going to do it. Thank you to everyone who wrote in on the, for the mailbag segment. It's been a blast having some questions to answer and, and being able to engage with, with my personal friends a lot of them are personal friends that write in personal friends and listeners and people that that listen so again thank you to everyone that wrote in to the mailbag segment thank you to all to everyone that listened it's always just it's been a blast just talking about the lakers and having a good excuse to to watch lakers basketball so thanks again guys have a great weekend thank you so much for listening to this episode of lakers carpool If you enjoyed the episode, please rate and review on Apple Podcasts and share it on social media with your friends. 
You can find the podcast on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or most places where you listen to podcasts. Again, thank you so much for listening, and go Lakers! Mm -hmm.